Well, we're all very different people in some ways, but we're all in a field which has been body slammed. (laughs) Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Low Season, the podcast about tour guides, tourism, and the future of travel. I'm Wouter Bernhardt, a tour guide from Berlin, and currently I'm gauging how my fellow international guides are navigating the pandemic. My guest today is Bonita Rhodes from Prague. Bonita is originally from New York City, but has been living in the Czech Republic for over 16 years. My Russian mother-in-law from then Leningrad, now St. Petersburg, retired to Prague and forced us all to help. And somehow we got drawn into her whirlwind and, you know, joined her here. Bonita was a lecturer in English and American literature before she decided to set up her own tour business called Insight Cities. The Guardian newspaper ranked their Prague after 1900 tour one of the best architecture tours in the world. We speak about the balance between mass tourism and accessibility, about raising a teenager when there's no money coming in, and whether she's hopeful about the future of our industry. Spoiler alert, she kinda is. But first I asked her how it is to live in the Czech Republic during Corona times. Here is Bonita Rhodes. Well, um, you know, as an American who's uh, uh, likes to call themselves a reformed New Yorker um, and who's lived in Prague for 16 years uh, and loved it here and is raising a daughter here, I have to say that as, as, as anxious as we are about the financial impact to our industry and to other people, we certainly know we're not alone. I mean, there are millions of people suffering. We're, we're simultaneously quite proud, I think, of the, um, the medical, the epidemiological situation in Prague and in Central Europe. I mean, I, I, I feel like a creature divided a lot of the time right now, looking with great anxiety what's going back on in my home country, where it feels like the response to the medical situation has been callous and chaotic. And, um, and it was, you know, really, really hard, I think, to watch uh, Americans stockpiling guns while uh, Czechs were on a campaign to um, sew face masks for their neighbors. Um, and, um, and so it felt like there was just a, you know, I I don't want to be, you know, overly utopian about, you know, the response here too. There are a lot of flaws in it, um, certainly financially. Um, but I think, I think from a medical perspective, uh, the Czech Republic, like Austria and Germany have done quite well. And I feel that's something to be thankful for. I have, you know, I have an 80-year-old and 78-year-old parents-in-law living down the block. I, I'm in a three-generation family of foreigners. It wasn't easy to, to distance learn an 11-year-old kid. I know more 11-year-old algebra than I ever wanted to. <laughs> uh, you know, but um, but I think, you know, when I when I feel, you know, the safety that we enjoy in Central Europe. It's so hard also to see this chaos in the States on top of the fact that, uh, of course, millions of people that are losing their work are also losing their medical insurance, which just the inhumanity of that is just very hard to take in. So I think we feel we feel relatively safe and um, and our and our and our city is opening up. Prague is so beautiful. It's so wonderful to to start to, to be able to use it more, um, you know, putting aside all of our economic fears. <laughs> Yeah, tell me, tell me a little bit about it because I, and I'm going to confess this, I've never been to Prague. I mean, I'm, I've lived four hours away on the train 
and I never had the opportunity to, to or took the opportunity to go. So, so tell me a bit about wh- why, why do people come to Prague? Um, I sometimes like to say that Prague is the farthest west that the Slavs ever got. Um, if you think of uh, the Slavs as an Eastern people or set of peoples pushing into Europe, and I really think Prague is where Europe meets itself, sometimes in very explosive and uh, regrettable ways. <laughs> sometimes it works. Um, so these are the Slavs that have spent, you know, a thousand plus years in between all those Prussians that got put together into Germany and the Austrians. And, you know, you know the history well, too, because you're a guide. <laughs> so um, uh, Prague, why is Prague a great place to live? Uh I think as a New Yorker, um, I got I got very tired of um, the incredible wealth gap that my city represents. It's just a cliche to see somebody, you know, a, a homeless person lying under a window with a five thousand dollar pair of shoes in it. And I'm not going to say that there isn't wealth here and poverty, but there's less of it. Um, the Czech Republic has one of the smallest wealth gaps in the developed world right now, and I think that's civilized. I like that. I like the way that feels. Um, I, I've gotten to the age where I feel I can, I can viscerally feel when I'm at home in the United States that people all around me do not rise to the level of worth to have their health protected. And I'm just tired of that. And, um, and I'm tired of the gun culture. Um, there's so many amazingly wonderful things to say about the United States that I'm passionate about, that I love, but we have a country of brutal divisions right now. And, and the ones that are, you know, culturally that I'm not aligned with, I find hard to live with. So um, you just couldn't find a more nonviolent, um, you know, um, less aggressive place than um, I sometimes like to say I had to be in my 30s to breathe the oxygen of what it is to live in a place without um, the proliferation of gun violence. Uh, you know, I, I, so I don't want to be complacent, but what it is for a New Yorker to walk down the street at one o'clock in the morning and not be afraid is a, it's a beautiful thing. And then there's just the, you know, you, you'll have to visit Prague. Do I say your name right? Is it Wouter? Wouter. Wouter. Okay. You know, <laughs> um, are you Dutch? <laughs> I am Dutch. Okay. Well, you, I am ready to kick down the doors of this city for you when you show up. You can't die without seeing Prague. That would be a really big mistake. Um, <laughs> it's just um, it's just as beautiful as you've heard. So there's insane beauty. Uh, and that's a quality of life issue. And, um, and safety and affordability and a social contract that is sort of working. Um, uh, and, uh, and a lot of wonderful history and uh, architecture. And, uh, and there's bad stuff too, but you know, so Where isn't? It, it's a real place. You <laughs> well, know. I, like, what, let me, let me immediately dive into that uh, aspect of, of Prague itself, the beauty, interesting history, um, the fact that it's very centrally located, it's easy to travel to. That also means lots and lots of people will go there. Um, how, how has, how has Prague been doing over the past 10, 20 years under tourism? Oh, oh, I mean, it's, you know, it's uh, it's stupendous. I mean, we had 8 million um, travelers uh, here, uh, I think just in Prague, or maybe it was the Czech Republic. I'm going to have to look at my stats again last year. I mean, of course, I mean, I, I grasped onto tourism really, it's kind of amusing and ironic right now because, you know, our company has, you know, been annihilated for the moment. 
you know, uh, in order to save myself already um, uh, from, you know, uh, from poverty. I mean, my company was really born for the good old fashioned reason of total desperation. Uh, when, when my husband, through no fault of his own, lost his breadwinner job, breadwinner job, you know, and I was living on, you know, what they pay university educators in the Czech Republic, which was a job I loved, but unfortunately they pay you in respect, you know that. <laughs> so, um, so we started this company and it saved us. I've gotten a lot out of um, guiding, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that I don't, just because I thrive on this industry and live on it, worry about over tourism. So, so I have some questions how, how this might actually, I don't know, refine tourism. Like I, I love, I love guiding actually i feel that it was a great default position for somebody in the humanities and i'm grateful for that but do i love having eight million visitors in my city uh i don't know i'm split i i i'm a democrat and i think travel should be accessible it's one of the great joys in life on the other hand you know when you have people that are coming into venice from cruise ships and it costs more when they flush the toilet, you know, once in a day for the city than anything they bring there, you know, while their cruise ships tear up the lagoon. Do we want Prague to turn into that? Is it sort of beginning to turn into that in the old town? Like these, these are the these are the main questions that I think not just Prague is wondering itself. Like what I'm the discussion I'm having, and I'm having them with guides, and it's mostly guides that listen to it. Is what what has tourism brought us, apart from a beautiful job, um, an income, a way to pay our rent, you know, these are all amazing things. At the same time, there's this, this, this yeah. I, yeah, and absolutely, and there, but there's also this idea of like, what if, if there is some downsides to tourism, especially in these beautiful cities that we live in, how can we change tourism in such a way that we can all enjoy it and be part of something sustainable? That's a really hard question, I think, because a lot of the things that we have to involve ourselves in our lives in order to survive are systemic and they're beyond just our own individual decisions. I mean, I could easily say I, I'm quite fortunate, frankly, that my company is a network of high quality, you know, um, historian guides throughout Central Europe um, who mostly have MAs or PhDs or uh, some other kind of autodidact. We don't care about the tattoo if you've just read 30 books and you're brilliant, okay, you know. So, so, so my segment of the market is fairly quality tourism if it means that people are, are spending money or going slower or taking a more profound look. You know, so I think our impact on the environment is a lot less than a cruise ship or, but on the other hand, if I didn't have the luxury of creating a company that way, I'm not sure I'm ready to tell my colleagues, oh no, you must, you must not take a cruise ship tour because, you know, um, you are, you know, I, I, I mean, that's not a, I don't have luxury to turn down work. So, um, and yet, you know, do I think slower tourism and, and higher paying tourism is better for our cities? Yes, I do. So um, it brings more in. Um, uh, on the other hand, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in conflict myself as someone who believes in access. So I, I don't have easy answers for those questions. No, I think, but I think you're articulating exactly what the the sword, the double-edged sword, is there, right? That is not wanting to prevent, and or not wanting to cause some sort of elitism in travel. You want people to be able to travel at the same time. How much can a city take, you know, uh, without it sort of collapsing under its own weight? Um, it's difficult. I, I I like the I like the idea of talking about Prague because. 
first of all, it's, it's a place I've never been to. Uh, but also, if, if I, for example, compare it to Berlin, um, Berlin is is quite big, right? It's the not not just in in terms of its surface, but also the streets itself. Um, y- you could fit a bunch more people there. Um, I, I wonder I wonder how many people in Prague do go to the city center, and and is there still a city center that Prague uh, or I don't know how you'd say Prague's Prague in English it would be Prague's. Uh, is it still a, a place that, um, yeah, the people in Prague go to themselves? Less and less over the years. And yet one of the things I'm very protective about is I think Prague is very much alive. Uh, we have a wonderful local culture. We're, we're really fortunate. We live in a beautiful old Art Nouveau neighborhood, about 20 minutes stroll from our um, old town square, but on a hill, uh, Letna, Letna Plain, um, where tourists don't come nearly as often. Prague, by the way, is a city of 1.3 million, and it's much bigger than its historic center. And I think people really do still use the center and stroll the castle in our parks. It, 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 there's so many wonderful neighborhoods here that... Um, that that most tourists don't find themselves in, but there's 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 a much bigger Prague to be explored than 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 only the center. Although of course you do have to see the, the five major towns and their monuments. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's there's a certain number of streets around Old Town Square that have been really taken over by tourists. They're just this glut of puppets and amber. But Prague is not a museum like Venice, unfortunately has turned into um in my in my opinion um what about your what about your own business uh, tell tell me a little bit about um what kind of tours you offer and and how it has expanded over the over the last couple of years um i am like so many of us never expected to be a tour guide or to be a tour operator um i started this when you know i was trying to figure out which way was up um when when my husband and my co-founder of this company uh, vadim uh, lost our breadwinner job through as i said no fault of his own um he did a great job and um and um we just uh sort of on a, on a what an American would call a Hail Mary pass at the universe, decided to try this and it worked. <laughs> um, first, we were inside Prague. Um, we start, we, I don't know, we used our research skills. We read about, you know, I'm a Victorianist. I teach 19th century British and American literature, but we read about 30 books on Prague. Um, we put together a group of our our friend academics here and started touring. I think I think we've made about a million mistakes on the way to building a company. We didn't start with um, any capital pretty much at all besides um, a willingness to work like crazy and our intellectual capital. Um, and um, we got lucky in a bunch of ways. Like our first year out, we got written about um, in Canada's largest paper, The Globe and Mail. And it took us like two months of seeing more Torontonians and Vancouverers than I have ever met in our lives to like realize that we had had that piece of press. Um, and uh, and we just sort of uh, have learned by like making many mistakes. It's very hard work because um, to, to move from being a guide to... Um, to a tour operator involves lots of things that are much less fun, uh, managerial things, uh, te- technological things. Um, and we're still building. In fact, I just uh, we just finally accumulated the capital. We're not making tons on this yet because everything that we do manage to save up, um, we reinvest back in this company or in my daughter. It's education. And, uh, and um, we just managed to launch this beautiful new website, which was our major coup for this year. 
Um, and I never thought I'd be launching it in a pandemic that was so, 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 supposed to sort of pull us to another level. But I don't think we're off this journey yet. I feel, you know, I mean, we've, we're, it, it's, it's, it's a bit, I, 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 I'm bitter in some ways because I'm older than some guides and not, I'm a middle-aged person with an 11 year old daughter that I'm raising that, um, that we were sort of looking at the first year where we had a nice surplus and we had this bucket list of things we wanted to do for this company. And, and now I'm wondering how I'm going to pay for my daughter's braces and, and we're eating that. And, you know, so that's, that's one thing, but I do try to keep some perspective because I mean, I am not being forced to go to a meatpacking factory, you know, um, you know, that's a Corona virus, um, hotspot uh, to feed my family. And um, some people don't have the margin that I have, um, you know, to to survive for, I think, you know, a while, not indefinitely, but we can wait this out and work on things, other things in the company. Um, so uh, what, we, what are some of these things? Well, um, I mean, I am I am working on virtual touring. I have no idea, you know, um, what what that would mean. But I think we'll be launching something in about a month. Um, I've done actually um, several webinars on Prague's architecture and history for some of my major um, high end agencies uh, in the United States. So that's funny um, to end up um, doing kind of uh, Google Slides presentations. Um and, and we have a partner for, for some virtual touring that we'll be doing. Um, I'm going to try to start a, um, uh, a campaign um, to pivot our company for summer and fall to, to local touring for very discounted tours. And the new website kind of addresses uh, that. And I, I have some uh, places that I'll probably pay for um, a, a campaign to try to pivot to locals and convince people to take discounted tours at a moment when the the major sites of our backyard may be more free of tourist groups than they will ever experience in their lifetime. Um, so I think there's a real opportunity here for um, people in Central Europe, especially as it looks like our, our region is going to open the borders uh, in some way um, that probably Germany, Austria, Hungary, um, Czech Republic, um, uh, or some combination uh, will will allow tourism, and it's wonderful to become a tourist in your own city. I think I've had to pay a lot to build this company and do things I didn't want to do. But one thing I really got out of it is that um, I got to be a student of my own city, um, and uh, that's a profound joy that I think we should try to convince locals to to share with us to to live in your city in a different way, um, to to live in a city, you know, when when you have buildings that are your friends, you know? <laughs> um, so. Well, Bonita, I wanted to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I really, really appreciate hearing from you and your, you know, your perspectives on where tourism is heading and hearing especially from your company in, in Prague. Um, and I, I hope that uh, things will pick up soon again. Okay. I, I wish everybody out there that is listening um, luck and you too, Walter. And I'm looking forward to our day in Prague. You know, I'm, I'm, I expect to we'll hear from you happen. at some point so that we can fix this incredible omission <laughs> that you haven't made it to, to, the, to the Golden City yet. That was Bonita Rhodes from Prague. Very enjoyable conversation that touched on many facets in our industry. And I think travel should be accessible. It's one of the great joys in life. The dilemma between access and sustainability. 
It might just boil down to the question whether we believe that travel is a right, a thing that everybody should be able to enjoy, or that we should treat it as a luxury, something only wealthy people can afford. And I'm really torn on this topic myself, having witnessed the effects that mass tourism can have on a city, it is plenty of reason to try and curb the streams of travelers. But denying people access to some of the most beautiful and interesting places in the world, simply because they don't meet the income criteria, I really can't get on board with that either. Maybe we just have to live with the crowds and just feel lucky that so many people want to visit the places that we live. What do you think? What would be a good compromise to saving our cities from overcrowding without retorting to elitism? You can leave your feedback in our discussion group on Facebook, The Low Season, Real Talk. You're all warmly invited and I'm very curious to see if we can come up with some ideas. Bonita has a great tour company called Inside Cities. They were recently quoted by National Geographic and have links to their website in the notes of the show. This Friday, we're back with Samantha Eschbach from Zurich in Switzerland. So, and you know what comes with drugs? It comes everything else that it attached with drugs. So prostitution, crime, organized crime. So it became, I mean, the city was quite a violent place. The Low Season is produced by me, Wouter Bernhardt. Music is by Mark Schilders. Artwork is by CC White, Georgia Riungu. Let's travel the world together. Speak soon, my friends. I'm not sure. I, I, I'm, I'm in this for the long haul. I, I don't see that I can turn around at this point. Um, and, I, I, and I also believe... I believe that travel will come back. I think that some of us are going to have quite a challenge to hang on until it does. And But I think the kind of tourism that we specialize in will come back because one of the greatest things that anybody can ever do with their lives is see the world. And enough of us on this planet know that. And I think that um, there's nothing you can do to stop travel from coming back because it's one of the most valuable things you could possibly do with your money. Why is that? Um, I, uh, I think, you know, sometimes I feel very bad about um, our species. Um, we're capable of so much uh, evil and um, violence. But um, you have to say some, that something of that impulse comes probably from one of the best things in us, which is um, this, um, you know, humans are passionate, uh, investigative creatures. And we just have to see what's on the other side of the hill in order to feel that we've lived, I think, you know. And I agree with that, you know, um, that you, it's, it's a, it's the pioneer in all of us, I suppose, you know, that we have to, um, I mean, I don't think it's a, a worthwhile thing to go and, you know, take a selfie, you know, to sort of prove that you've been at the Eiffel Tower, but I think there's a keen, you know, we're all driven by such a keen curiosity. There's got to be in most people, a traveler that needs to get out.